Welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. And we are back for our final episode of Chip Chat from HP Discover. Uh, it's December 11th. I'm Allison Klein. And our final guest is Richard Curran, Director of the Enterprise Marketing in EMEA. Uh, welcome, Richard. Hi, Allison. Yeah, thanks. Great to be here. So that's a big job, Director of, of Enterprise uh, in EMEA. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what that means uh, from a standpoint of what your business objectives are? Well, a lot is, is, is really to support our sales and, and partners across EMEA. But as well as that, uh, there's one other important facet. It's really to identify trends and, and, and uh, changes that are happening in, in the market um, so that we can help understand what we need to be doing from a product uh, roadmap perspective, from a positioning perspective, um, and understand the needs of our customers and our customers' customers. So we can deliver the kind of technologies they need to run their business. When we uh, look at what Intel is doing in the data center, we just had Pat Budenbaum on the show talking a little bit about um, what Intel is bringing to market to address uh, the data center for the enterprise. Um, when you're talking to end customers in EMEA, what are the business challenges that are driving their prioritization of, of what, what to deliver in terms of IT infrastructure and, and what is on the top of their minds? It, it varies. It, it varies tremendously right across the whole uh, spectrum. So you've got, uh, for instance, people, you know, working in individual um, uh, vertical segments. Whether you're talking about telco, finance, healthcare, uh, there could be government, public sector, um, industry. So there's a whole host of of uh, various different industry sectors that all have various different needs and desires to be able to help run their business. But ultimately. A lot of the chief technology officers or chief information officers um, really try to understand how they can maximize their, um, their infrastructure, their assets, to be able to help with the business. So what's happening right now is a massive inflection curve, and, uh, and that is, I think, really being caused initially by the Internet and now by cloud. So cloud has fundamentally changed uh, the entire business model, and that really is going from a CapEx-type model to an OpEx model which means then that when you move to an OPEX model, you're really looking at the, um, the cost per compute for a, a given instance. And if that instance is associated with, with a, a business portfolio or a business uh, strategy or, or a, an element to the business, then one can derive a certain cost associated with IT to derive value associated with that. And that value could be uh, ex extrapolated out into um, in inefficiency, cost savings or in actually establishing itself by furthering its business opportunity um, and that's where and you can get a multiple uh, of these as well so the big challenge that we have looking right now is as uh, entities or companies transform their business and move to an OPEX type model then um, business units within those companies can understand their investments associated they have their investments in people they have their other costs going to market. They might have their marketing costs, their operations costs. But the one thing they didn't know was their IT, because their IT was usually consumed as, 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 as an entity as part of the entire company. Now it's being, uh, it's being segmented out to the individual business units. So then you can, understand, you can understand clearly the value that IT is bringing to those business units. And, and people then, as a result, need to understand from a technological perspective 
um, can they actually improve upon it? Can they get that service somewhere else? So you move from a straight project-based IT to a service-level-based IT. So one of the terms out there is everything as a service. Mm -hmm. right. And you're looking at different service portfolios to actually provide that capability to business units. Um, and that particular server, then, that service can then will have a service level agreement insofar as response time, uptime, uh, different methods of delivery. Um, and, and you can either buy that or build it. And, and that's where the massive change is happening in the industry. And that's where I think Intel comes in because we're, we know and we can help customers and our partners understand how, to, how you utilize technology to advance their needs. In, actually, that was where I was going with my next question, question Richard, is when you talk to customers, um, what is the trend between build or buy, or is it a combination of the two? Um, and what are the challenges that you see with each choice? The general rule of thumb, as we're seeing with most people uh, bringing to market new, uh, new opportunities, generally can buy, and there's a lot of movement. But I think it's more down to the actual type of maturity of the applications. So for instance, you're seeing um, CRM type environments actually been, been, uh, been growing considerably well. You're looking at certain applications. If you look at SMB, a lot of SMB are using, we'll say Gmail, or they might be looking at Microsoft over the wire now. Um, so that level of, of capability is, is being perceived as, as, as good enough or uh, equivalent to the one of actually being, being deployed down the wire in-house. Um, so it's application dependent, but I think it's all got to do with maturity. And you're seeing more cloud service providers becoming more and more mature in their services offerings. And they're putting in more robust infrastructures, which is um, predominantly Intel-based infrastructures, thankfully, to, to be able to provide that service level of capability, that level of robustness, that level of resilience, that level of uptime. And as a result, the management and security associated with that. Because remember, a lot of these companies, when you're looking at enterprise, have got to follow strict governance guidelines and compliance guidelines. So you, when, you, when you outsource, I think the general rule of thumb I provide to customers is you, you, out, you can outsource responsibility, um, but you don't outsource accountability. You're still accountable. Your data uh, or... or um, our workloads might be might be actually coming from a different source, but as you're still accountable for the business. What are the data regulatory requirements in EMEA in terms of, of that specific challenge? And do you see that being, um, you know, an, an impedance to adoption of public services, or not so much? It, you know, you know, if if, if everything was very loose and and um, and there was no governance. Then, um, then just without policy, there wouldn't be any control. It would just mayhem. So you have to put in some guidelines. Now, sometimes we tend to over-regulate, and sometimes you under-regulate. And if we take a look at the banking crisis that we've just gone through, one of the main reasons was the under-regulation. So it's a necessary evil. Uh, certainly around data, data retention, uh, it's important. And uh, many companies in different, in different industry segments have different guidelines into the length of time, time that they have to retain data. Um, and then you have obviously Sarbanes, uh, you know, Oxley and things like that. So you have to have a level of governance and you have to demonstrate a level of, of professionalism associated with due to audit and due to audits to ensure that you people run a fair and proper business practice that you have to follow those particular guidelines, you know. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a fundamental part of the business. Now it varies from 
you know, geography to geography. And it's sometimes perceived that we do a little bit of over-regulation in, 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 in EMEA. But, you know, I, I think it's about right. When we turn the focus from underlying infrastructure changes to uh, the information itself, um, where do you see data analytics in the enterprise heading in the next year? And, and do you have any examples of customers who are doing some interesting things uh, with analytics? Oh, it's 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 taken off big time, and 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 the reason it's taken it's taken off is that, you know, when you're when you're running a business and and um, you're gathering as much information as you can about your customers, about your landscape, about your your areas where you focus your products, whatever those products may be, their shoes to medical products, um, and the more information you gather, the more intelligent you can be, or the better decisions you can make. So up until, we've had data analytics for years and years and years, but it was very expensive, it's very cumbersome, it's very bespoke, um, and as a result, um, you only could measure and analyze certain amounts of data. The goodness about it, with the amount of structured and unstructured data, and the amount of data collection that has happened because of the internet over the last number of years, is that there is a huge amount of data either being collected or already collected, where customers can take advantage. And one of the biggest inhibitors was cost. Right. And now what we're finding with data analytics and with the investment the industry is making as a whole, in, in the last couple of years, there have been $17 billion worldwide invested in, in, in big data. And that's providing software and hardware capabilities and so on and, and skills. And to be able to uh, bring that to a price point where people can actually afford to put it in and actually analyze some of the data, the data that's, that's, that's coming. So it's actually here. I think the biggest challenge we have at the moment uh, in the industry is having what we call, or people have coined the term, data scientists. Right. And the, um, I was giving a, a, a pitch earlier on today in, um, here at Discover, and, and I asked about the fact is within their companies, have they got these types of data scientists that understand what you're going to do with the data? Right. So we all kind of get big data. It's a fairly simple concept. It's actually what you do with the data and what you turn the data into to actually derive better business decisions. And that's where, that's where I think most companies um, have got a gap right now. Uh, you know, they may say it's difficult to collect the data. I think, I think they're collecting the data. They just don't know what is what is good data, and what is bad data for that particular purpose. So I think you have to start off as well understanding with the business units. I think the IT people need to work very closely with the business units. I think they need to un, they need to educate themselves or get educated on looking at particular modeling that will help them to understand what are we trying to solve here. Are we trying to uh, cut costs, drive efficiencies gain more uptime, get much greater awareness of, we'll say, footfall within um, within our, our stores and understand uh, consumer purchasing behavior or the big thing which will be around machine to machine and that'll be the real. So we generally talk about people but I think the real growth area will be machine to machine and how machines and two technological devices can learn from each other to actually, uh, you know, become more efficient or, um, you know, create better products. It seems like you've built the oracle but until you know the question to ask... You, exactly. you, you can't extract any value. Yeah. Um, have you worked with any customers in Europe that have have done something innovative in this space uh, that would be worth sharing? There's uh, 
gosh, there's 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 lots of examples, and and um, you know if I look at um, uh, there's a retail store that we work with that uh, have hired some guys coming out of college, and they've um, they've looked at um, analysing the data. So what they're able to do with their loyalty cards, and also with online purchasing, they then can understand how often that individual comes into the store and buys online, and they know they've proven that when that person comes into the store. They have shown that they actually buy usually 60% more than they do buying on a spot purchase online. So their their intent then is their strategies. How do they get those people who used to go into their store, we'll say, once a week, and now only go in once a month because they buy online, they make it very attractive for them around a personalized program to those individuals so they can come into the store. And as a result, then, they have the opportunity to be able to sell up. They understand what they like and what they dislike. They understand their brand preference within that store. They understand, um, you know, uh, their, 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 their patterns. And, and as a result, they can create a much better experience for them. Right. You know? So customer experience goes up and revenue. So it's a win-win. It's a win-win for everybody. Uh, when you, you know, we're wrapping up 2013, what do you think was the top topic of 2013 in terms of conversations with customers? What was the thing that you heard most? Um, I think what I've generally, um, what I've heard most from decision makers is is a feeling of more optimism in the market, that it's the, the worst is over and there's a cautious welcome to getting out of 13. Um, we're seeing purchasing improving, we're seeing people spending more, we're pe- people investing more. And, um, you know, 14 is looking uh, much more optimistic uh, than it was, we'll say, eight to ten months ago. So I think people um, are, have now understanding that the impact technology has. So lots of discussions around big data, lots of discussions around um, how they can get greater efficiencies around the modernization of their data centers. There are a lot of people coming in, building out data centers to take advantage of the existing growth and services capabilities or the impending growth from Internet of Things and big data. And in 2014, if there's a topic that we haven't discussed a lot thus far, what do you think is going to be on customers' minds moving forward? Again, it'll vary by customer to customer, but I, I, what I would like to see customers doing is, is um, look at the modernization of their data center, uh, certainly around server topologies and continue with refreshing their servers and, and, and looking at a best-in-class software to provide them with the best capability, but certainly looking at virtualization and storage. And then the big one, which is, which is coming really quickly, is around the whole software-defined infrastructure. In looking at uh, the modernization of the network topologies, both in telco and within enterprise, and so that the only way we can get to data centers being a ubiquitous compute utility model where it becomes a utility capability across multiple workloads that serve their customers. And that both in-house as well as in the cloud and the possibility to be able to truly make it hybrid. That one has this elastic, expandable utility model that provides seamless compute capacity, seamless storage, seamless performance and seamless network. You've been at Intel for quite a long time working in the data center space. What has changed over the years in terms of Intel's focus on the data center and what we bring in terms of value to the customer? I think the what has changed in the last couple of years is there's, uh, whilst performance is king, um, it's, it's got many, it's got a large royal family supporting it and it's not so much performance only now. 
I think the biggest change is around um, is around what happened in cloud, and now being able to. Uh, what I what I'd love to see is the value that IT and the value that technology and our technology brings to our partners and to our customers. And it's not just about the iterative products being more performant. It's about the iterative products with multiple different capabilities offering more and more value. And and seeing that value playing out is is actually I think the biggest change and and uh, the most enjoyable change. I bet. I, I would assume that the context of your conversations are quite different than they were a few years ago. Yes, yeah. And I think this is where, if you look at the evolution of, of the IT manager, the systems manager, now becoming a CTO and then a CIO, and now they're talking about CMOs, where really it's about um, IT people becoming an integral part of the board. Right. And where, where every company will become a digital company and not just a company selling products or services with IT to support them. So IT basically becomes a primary strategy driver for how the business wins. Absolutely. Richard, we're at uh, HP Discover, and I, w I would be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, what are the, have the highlights been of the event thus far for you, and what do you think are the key themes coming out of HP Discover this week? Um, I... Um, this is my first day here and I was at another event nearby, part of the HP Discover. Uh, I was with um, the, the finest 300 CIOs in, in EMEA, uh, along with HP's executive management team. And it was wonderful to share uh, best practices to get an understanding of the strategy and how HP and Intel can help them to get involved in really solid conversations about uh, their investments and how their IT uh, infrastructures and entities are actually providing value to their businesses. Um, there's a general level of, of excitement and optimism about how IT is adding more and more value to, to, to companies' businesses. Um, and it's good to see so many products coming out from HP on Intel. Uh, we're strong partners and, and uh, delighted to see a lot of the hard work from our business units working with HP and now seeing the fruits of that where they're coming to market and seeing the customers pretty excited by it. Well, Richard, thank you so much for, for batting cleanup. That might be an American saying. I have no idea what you said. Uh, for being our last <laughs> and most strong guest uh, for, for Chip Chat, HP right. Discover. Uh, that wraps our live cast uh, for HP Discover. I hope you enjoyed the conversations over the last couple of days. Uh, and thank you for listening. And thanks for being on the program, Richard. Thank you. Thanks very much.